Welcome to the December 9th edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. First and foremost, before we get stuck in, thank you very, very much to those who have subscribed to the podcast. I set a goal for 50 followers before the first game's tip-off and currently at 54, so thank you very, very much. I'm going to then stretch that out to, to 70 by the start of the season, so please, if you are listening, click the button and follow the podcast. That'd be great. Secondly, I'll be dropping the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast Draft Guide this week, and we'll do a quick summary podcast on it and then kind of link it in the description. I'll also send a link on Twitter and on the Facebook group, so be sure to follow me at Mark Fantasyland on Twitter and join the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast Facebook group as well. All right, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking through some of the off-season winners and losers and what that means for fantasy and also then when to target them on draft day. So then up one winner, it has to be Gordon Hayward. The man has landed himself into the perfect position for a career revival in Charlotte. The Hornets really struggled last year and the years before that without a solid playmaker and what Hayward brings to the table is all of that. He was the absolute man in his last full season at Utah. He averaged 22 points, 5.4 rebounds, three and a half assists, a couple of triples and a steal on 47 and 84% shooting. That was playing close to 35 minutes per game as well. Granted, yes, that was back in the 2016-17 season prior to his one game and awful injury at Boston. But with all of that garbage surrounding him in Charlotte, he's going to get as many looks as he wants and as many looks as his body can handle. So I do think that he has real chance of finishing the season inside the top 30, but I will probably be targeting him at about 50 on draft day, late 40s. Equally, the number two winners have got to be the two forwards for Denver, Michael Porter Jr. and the recently departed Jeremy Grant. Michael Porter Jr. speaks for himself. He just needed the opportunity to produce and he should now slot into the starting lineup now that Grant has moved on and Millsap is, believe it or not, he is still old. So target him at around 70. I think there's going to be some drafts where he goes in the 40s. I think there's going to be some drafts where people are going to sleep on him. But at 70, I think you got a really, really nice target there. Jeremy Grant, with his move to Detroit, I think he's become a really nice sleeper. Yes, technically he is still competing with Blake Griffin, but Detroit have already said that they believe that he can become one of the best two-way players in the league. And that's pretty much the reason that Grant signed on with those guys. It, It might be a little bit rocky to start with, but I genuinely believe that he can be a 15 and seven with a couple of threes, 1.5 blocks and a steal, that sort of player, that sort of Robert Covington-esque player. And if you're getting that out of him, then you're going to be getting an absolute steal where he's currently going, which is around the 100, 110, 120 in some drafts. So once you tick over that 100 point, if he's still there, I would absolutely snap him up because the reward definitely outweighs the risk. OKC, so they've moved a lot of pieces this offseason, which is why I love SJ and Al Horford. And that's why they slide in at equal third on my list. SJ, last year, he was really solid and really, really fun to have. He produced 19 points, six boards, and three assists on some really good percentages and some decent supporting stats. I think he had just over a three, just over a steal, and maybe 0.8 blocks, which is really nice to have from a, a point guard shooting guard. And that was always CP3 and Dennis Schroeder splitting the touches on the court. Now they're both gone and the undisputed star of the team is SGA. 
I do think that he's going to take that next leap up again. With that, I think that his field goal will probably take a bit of a hit. And with the, the extra volume, yeah, it's going to be nice. But as I said, the field goal will probably probably dip down a little bit, hopefully not too much. But there is every chance he gets to 25 and 6 with one and a half triples, one and a half steals, and, and a block, maybe even 1.1, 1.2 blocks. That's why I love SGA. And I think his ADP will be really interesting. But if you can get him in the 35 to 40 range come draft day, I think that you'll get yourself a really nice option there. One thing I would say about SGA is that if his steals don't come and if his assists don't come, then he is effectively a glorified scorer. So you need to make sure that you're going to get your assists with somebody else. And obviously, if SGA comes with that, then fantastic. You've got yourself a little booster. But if he doesn't, then you're still covered. On to the other OKC guy. I really think that everyone has forgotten about how good Al Horford is and how strong of a passer he is. He complements this team makeup really well. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing how he and SGA work in the pick and roll because Al can create, Al can stretch the floor and SGA has got that really quick step and can really finish strong at the hoop. So I think they're both going to work really well together. I think that if you are building a a guard-heavy side and attacking those assists, he is the perfect fit for that build. I mentioned it, I think, last week on the podcast that if you are needing some assists out of your big spot and you've missed Jokic, you've missed Bam, you've missed Sabonis, Al Horford is a very, very good complementary piece for that. So I like him in the 90 to 100 range. At four, I've got Markel Fultz. So Fultz only played, I think, 27 and a half, maybe 28 minutes per game this year, and he started the season behind DJ Augustine. However, once he picked up that starting role and once he got a bit of a roll on, his game really did improve. So over the last 20 games, he was pumping out 13 points and six assists with nearly one and a half steals. That's still in similar minutes, the 27-28. And yes, the shooting's not going to be pretty. He's not going to be great from the line, but... If Fultz gets close to 32, 33, 34 minutes a night, we really could be looking at 17 and 7, massive steals on, on draft night. So swing for him once you get the 85 to 90 range. I think that he's somebody who will show us why he was drafted so high in the in the draft. Finally, Russell Westbrook. Um, so it pains me a little bit to talk about him because I don't love him, but realistically, he was always going to get traded. He and Harden just didn't work. And the reason he is on this list is probably because of the alternatives of where he was going to get traded to. Washington is probably the best spot that he could have landed outside of maybe Charlotte. And they're a rubbish team who play really, really fast, high possession basketball, and they'll let him gobble up all the usage that he wants. I don't think either he or Beal will be adversely affected. Um, and realistically, I think that Westbrook's numbers probably going to stay similar. He's going to be a triple-double flirt every single night with two steals. Um, and maybe if he keeps going to the hoop, we're looking at 50% shooting. And as I said, I think that all of this this trade is, is absolutely a win on his side. So I would be taking a look at him late teens, early 20s. All right, so the losers. 
I might count backwards from five through one this time just to just to build some of that suspense. At five, I'm going with a combo again. I think the fifth biggest losers this offseason would have to be Derek Rose and Blake Griffin. Both are old, both are broken, and both have literally been replaced with younger players. I fully expect Killian Hayes to to run Detroit for most of the year with DeLon Wright next to him. So the opportunities for Derek Rose are definitely going to be limited. And I, I don't even know if he's going to be there on the roster by the end of the year. Blake Griffin, he is he's someone who has annoyed me every year for as long as I can remember. It I don't I've never owned him, but it annoys me how high everyone drafts him because of his talent. I agree he's talented, and if he plays 82 games, he would be elite. He'd probably even be a top 10 player, but he doesn't play 82 games, so I don't think anybody should draft him. He's going to hurt your side when he inevitably does go down injured, and you will struggle to get a trade out of him. So, as I said, do not draft him. Let someone else do it. His body isn't getting any less broken, so please do stay away. At number four, I unfortunately have got the big man in Golden State, James Wiseman. I was really hoping he would be great because Golden State don't have a center and they've really only got what Kevon Looney and Marquise Chris. But Steve Kerr recently came out and pretty much said that he'd be a non-factor while the Warriors are still playing the Draymond Green, Steph Curry pick and roll. So Dynasty Leagues, yep, grab him. Deep Leagues, yep, grab him. But for your more shallower leagues, I would probably... Keep a watchful eye on James Wiseman, but I wouldn't be drafting. And number three, I've got Rashawn Holmes. This is a really disappointing one. Last year, he was really great to own, really great to watch, and quietly went about his game for a really efficient stat line, and that took him to kind of the top 30, top 35 range at one stage. Then along comes big Hassan Whiteside. I think both will get some minutes, and I do still think that Rashawn Holmes is the future, but Whiteside is going to play the bulk of the minutes. He's going to get his boards. He's going to get his blocks, which unfortunately is really going to hurt Holmes's output. So where I would normally, if Whiteside wasn't there, I'd probably have him in the, I'd probably be taking him early 50s, but I'm going to have to fade him to closer to 100. At two, on the biggest off-season loser list is John Wall. I, like many, have been really looking forward to seeing how John Wall comes back. He was expected to play at Washington, but the recent trades have seen him out in Houston and next to a usage monster in himself, James Harden, who, as I'm recording this, has just been caught down in Las Vegas breaking COVID rules. So who knows what's going to happen there? But if it all stays the same, I think that there is every chance the two of them get staggered and Wall plays primarily with the second unit while he finds his feet, and James Harden obviously runs the side. But even still, James Harden plays a lot of minutes, and he dominates the ball when he's on the court, and John Wall is just not a shooter. He needs the ball to create, and I just don't see the upside being there. Unless he somehow still has some explosion in his legs, I don't see him being a factor this year or any year moving forward. If you've held on to him in a keeper league, and dynasty league, I would probably recommend trying to sell high before he even takes the court because people will still base off the name. And finally, the two biggest losers this offseason are the two guards in Charlotte, Scary Terry Rogier and Devonte Graham. So last year, they combined for 70 minutes, 36 points per game, 
an eight assist on 40% shooting from the field. I think they were close to about 36% from three on some massive volume. And statistically, look, they were both bang average, but hid behind some big games and overall were looked upon quite favorably because they were drafted late or picked up off the waivers. But when you're looking at them as a draft option this year, they are just, they're just not good. Couple that with Gordon Haywood coming in and them signing a genuinely good passer and playmaker in Lamelo Ball. And I think the writing is on the wall for both Rogier and Devonte. They'll still get some decent minutes and they'll still get some decent volume, but those shooting percentages combined with the lack of defensive stats, I really don't see them having any value in most leagues outside of your really deep ones. You can imagine they drop their minutes from 35 to 20 or 22, and they've still got that horrible shooting. Their stats across the board are going to drop by 30%. And are you going to take somebody who shoots 40% from the field with 13 points and four assists? Probably not. So be mindful when you're drafting those guys. I probably would stay clear and let somebody else do it because they will based on last year. And play for someone with a, a higher upside, even a Lamello ball. All right, guys, that's me done for this week. As I said, Draft Guide is coming out the end of this week, probably Friday or Saturday, so keep an eye out for that. It is free, so I'm not asking for any money for it. All I am asking is that you do follow the podcast, you join the Facebook group, and you follow me on Twitter at Mark Fantasyland. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Yeah.